Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. The comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by the Dadgum Original Batman on Film. Boy, do we have a great show for you today, folks. I am so excited to share this one. Um, been in the books for a little while here. Um, my good friend Katie Maloney uh, is a uh, she's a life coach, uh, personal trainer, um, and now an author. She wrote a book uh, called Cake Pops and Coffee. Uh, we'll get into it in the in the episode uh, that helps people have you know have a very open and meaningful and hopefully lighthearted conversation about trauma. You know something that. Uh, a lot of people can relate to, um, but uh, her spin is a little bit more, uh, like I said, lighthearted, really, you know, she tries to, you know, make it so that the conversation can be more personal and not just, like, very heavy and deep and dark, and because those conversations can be and sometimes should be, but you should also feel comfortable talking about these things, and that's not always easy. And Katie, with her book, you know, that I, that I read through, she, uh, she nailed it. So you guys should check that out on Amazon. Um, if you're looking for me, um, which you shouldn't be after this episode, look for her. (laughs) Um, you can find me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, for comic junkies. You can email me, uh, for comic junkies at gmail.com. Uh, this is, this is exciting folks. Katie is a, she's a real life Wonder Woman, and I'm excited to share this with you. All right, here we go. All right, Katie, uh, welcome to your first episode of the Four Comic Junkies podcast. Um, I, I wanted to get you on for a while, um, cause you know, when I think of, uh, I know we talked a long time ago and I forget what it was. It was like half. Like Happy Halloween or something. I was like, "Oh, did you do anything fun?" You're like, "I dressed as Wonder Woman and I went to a party." And I was like, "That sounds awesome." I was like, "I, I think I had to work or something." So my story was less interesting, but, <laughs> um, but I, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, you are, uh, an, an actor. You know, you're a life coach. Um, pers- mm-hmm. you were a personal trainer too, weren't you, for a while? I, yes, I did do that for a little while. Right. And <laughs> I bounced around. around you're different things. <laughs> all, all over the place. Uh, yes. And also an author, who people can't see, mm-hmm. but I'm holding her book, uh, Cake Pops and Coffee, A New Conversation mm-hmm. About Trauma. Um, so we're going to get into all that. And, I, and I'm very excited because I think I've listened to you do other, uh, other podcasts. And, uh, you know, I've just reached out to you like, I had no idea you had this story and I'm so excited that you're sharing it and not just sharing it, but sharing it in, in the best way that makes you feel comfortable. Um, Mm. which is, uh, I think not always a luxury people have, but you know, I think it's, well, it's kind of easier, I guess, nowadays with the internet and so on. Um, but first and foremost, let's start secret origin with, uh, Wonder Woman specifically. Do you, are you like a, were you ever into like the comic books or the old TV show or the movies? Yeah. 
So I was I was thinking about that, and I have always loved Wonder Woman since mm. I was a kid, but I honestly don't even know where that originated. I think I just saw Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's everywhere, right? right. But I, I remember just being like, oh my gosh, this is a woman who is so powerful, but also feminine and mm-hmm. is like connected to her sensuality, but she's also super strong. And she has this ability to be like this wild woman, but she also has full control over her abilities and her powers. Like, and it was just the, a persona that I totally admired. Um, and so, and then once I got older, um, this was even before the movies came out, um, I got a Wonder Woman Halloween costume and mm-hmm. I just, every single Halloween since then, I've been Wonder Woman. <laughs> and I would wear that, I would wear that outfit every day if I could. But I guess, I mean, I can. I work from home, so maybe I will start doing that. <laughs> I mean, it's these are challenging times, and if you do what you do, what you do to do what you need to do. Uh, have you been vaccinated? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I have now. Good, yeah. good, good. Uh, I, I applaud everybody that gets vaccinated. Uh, I, Working in healthcare, I've been vaccinated since, like, January, so when okay. for everybody else to get caught up. Um, but pretty soon we'll be getting to... Fingers crossed, herd immunity, and we'll be able to venture back into the real world. Um, Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) So uh, getting into your book here, uh, Cake Pops and Coffee, uh, first and foremost, such a unique title for a book about going through, you know, trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, you know, I... I, I know the story, as I said, I've listened to your other interviews and such, but for my listeners who are new to you, uh, why, why that title? Why not say, why not a title that's like, you know, to use a Batman reference, hey, I'm okay, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's so many books that were probably titled something like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I just a little bit short background about me, I was sexually abused by both of my parents until I was about 18 years old. Um, and then I start, I left and I was, I moved to a different city. And during that time, I really started to realize how everything was affecting me um, in really big ways. And I started to try to process it. And one of the ways that I tried to do that was by looking for other kind of healing tools. And one of the main sources I looked to were books. Um, but all of the books that were available were these terribly titled self-help books like the one that you just made up (laughs) um or really heavy psychology books and all of them just felt made me feel horrible before i even opened them and i was like dude i already know how much trauma sucks like i don't need a book to tell me over again and so um around that time was when i knew that i wanted to write my own book and one of the things that was so important to me was that the title and the cover of the book be super welcoming. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason I chose Cake Pops and Coffee as a title was because I really believe that we can have open conversations and even lighthearted conversations about trauma and how to work through it um, as if we were sipping coffee in Cake Pops with our best friends. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that title originated. You know, and I think it's, I think it is effective. And I think even, you know, the, the way you write is, you know, is, you know, you're using the I statements, you know, so you're not, so you're saying, you know, like, you know, I am trying to get a workout in before I teach my next fitness class, you know, and mm. again, see, I knew, I knew you were a fitness trainer. 
I read the book, but <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, I will. I, I I read most of it. The part I didn't read was about the the section just on this tangent for a second section on masturbation, okay. where I was like, I feel like this part isn't for me, so I'm gonna skip this part and keep going. Um, oh, please tell. <laughs> but um, but you know, I and I like that you're using the the I statements, and you know, because it feels because it, it, it does feel inviting. It's it's so it's you talking to me as the reader you know, you talking to your audience, and I know you've gotten a lot of great feedback about the book. Um, you know, just people, because, you know, like those books you're talking about, very much like sexual trauma can be defined as blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's like, okay, all right, like that, that's all well and good. But what, what does it mean for me? As the, yeah. as my experience is different than your experience, you know, mm, with, with these types yes. of things. I think that's, Thank you so much for saying that because that is, it's just so important to me. That's what I want people to feel when they read. And I think one of the things that I don't love about so many other books about trauma is that all of them are worded in a way that's like, well, this is what happened to you. So this is how you feel. This is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, and my everyone's experiences are so different and how healing feels for each person is so different. So it was just really important to me to write in a way that's said hey this is how what i experienced this is how i feel this is how i healed and now try let's see how you can kind of make this your own version so that you can heal um and so that's really so i love that you got that on there so thank you uh, oh you're welcome it, it is uh it, it's great to to have that that inviting nature with something like this because it, it is such a, a touchy subject you know whether you've been through it or not and almost weirdly, if not, because then it's like, do I want to hear this person's story? And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I hope that doesn't sound awful, but uh, no, no, it, it's, but you know, it, I think everybody has some sort of fucking trauma in their past, you know, yes. and it's, it's interesting because, I, so I'll confess something to you that when we first met, um, we were doing a short film called The Fifth um, uh, here in, in Erie. And it was like, you know, so you lived in Pittsburgh and we all lived in Erie. So it's like, well, we'll do some, it was a very unusual film, you know, tons of fun, but very unusual. <laughs> um, I was tied to a chair for like eight hours straight, <laughs> like several times. Um, but, but tons it, of fun though. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so, you know, we, you were like, why, why don't you guys just come to my apartment and we'll and we'll rehearse here and and we got there and you had just like a studio apartment and and I remember thinking to myself I'm so I feel kind of at home here like I feel like I I have somewhat of a kindred spirit because you know this is clearly something that you're you're trying to you're getting by on your own you don't have help mm -hmm. from your family and that I could relate to immediately Cause I was like, you know, I, you know, my, I think my dad paid like my first month rent or something like that. And then it's like, mm -hmm. my rent was like 450 bucks. And then I got my paycheck and it was like 475 bucks. I was like, I can't live off of this, you know? And that's, yes. so that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, but I, but, but at the same time, I never thought it was my place to be like, so, you know, tell me about your, your family, you know, or anything like that. So it's like, you know, we're working, we're having, we're all having a good time. We're all laughing together. Um, 
And then it's, you know, years later, you're, you know, you announce this book and you you start being more open on social media. And, you know, and I'd reached out to you and I said, you know, I, I had no idea about any of this with you, but I'm, you know, I'm proud of you for sharing all this. Um, so we're, when, okay, so like we knew each other a little bit, we'd be kind of become friends. Where do you find, to start here at least, where do you find the line where you get into it? You know, you're going to be friends with somebody or maybe even a boyfriend and be like, oh, by the way, there's a history with me. Totally. That's, I think that's a great question. So, um, and that is also one of the things I talk about in my book too, is like how to share your story, how to feel empowered while you do it. Um, I, what I have found is it changes for every person that I interact with. Mm. Um, and that's just depending on my own comfort level. Um, so sometimes I'm like, Oh, I, and it doesn't even, sometimes it's the person, sometimes it's my own personal life, what's going on, but it really is dependent on like how I feel in the moment. Do I feel comfortable sharing this? Um, and then how I feel about the other person. Do I feel like they can hold space for this conversation? And also do I feel like this conversation is going to be okay for the other person too, Mm -hmm. you know, because, um, I, I, I think it's really important to consider yourself always like in for first and foremost. Um, but I also think it's really, I want to respect other people who are involved in this conversation too. And I don't want to like put that conversation on somebody who's not comfortable with it. So it really does kind of change. And as far as relationships go, it's been different for each one. There's been like partners where I've been like, before we even kiss, I want to just have this out there and talk to them. And then there's been other relationships where I'm like, I want to just get to know this person for like a couple months before we even talk about this. So it really is dependent, I think, on your own um, personal preferences. Yeah. It, it uh, that that does make a lot of sense. It's uh, because and I and I like that you said you want to gauge the other person's you know how mm. how they're going to react to everything as well because that could scare a person off you know uh, which which is unfortunate but it's it's also the idea of and you know I've talked about this before in you know in other interviews where it's like you don't know what someone's story is you know and oh. and I and never would you know you were just so bubbly and excited you know, when, when we were working together and it probably helped that you weren't tied to a chair for like eight hours straight. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, but even like, uh, the, the character you played, you know, uh, so Katie played my mother, who's like yeah. the, the ghost of my mom, who's like kind of haunting me a little bit and then shows up at the end. It's, uh, I gotta find like a link and send that through Facebook or something. <laughs> it's a, it's a very bizarre, but such an interesting, exciting film. It really, yeah. It really looks good. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I thought that a lot about you were, you know, and uh, remember uh, Jerry who did our costumes, you know, she was, she was always just like, Oh, she's so sweet and, and cute and bubbly. I, I just love her, you know? And, uh-huh. and we all had nothing but good things to say about you, even when you weren't around. Um, and then when th- this comes up, you know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't change the conversation at all as much as it goes, I had no idea, you know, I had no idea right. that this really sunshine of a person had such a dark past. Um, where, uh-huh. so what gave you the confidence, you know, cause you know, I know you'd said before you, it took you a long time to write the book, you know, well, it's just yeah. like, like literally and figuratively, I think. Um, but wh- what gave you the confidence to finally be like, you know what, I'm speaking up and I'm speaking up now for like, quote unquote, the world to see. Ooh, 
great question. Um, so yeah, it did take me about eight years to write the book. And that was really because I was writing it as I was healing and working through things. Um, and I think, honestly, I would have to say that the confidence actually came after it was published because that was when mm. it was required. And I will explain what I mean by that. It was really just since I, I sat down when I was a senior or a junior, a junior in college and to write this book. So I was like 21 when I started writing this book and I was 29 when I published it. And so for the for the ne those eight years, I had it in my head that it was going to be published. There was no doubt. So I never really needed like confidence. I was like, it's going to happen. Um, but the minute it was published, that was when I had like, whew, I, I remember reading it for the first time, like just as a reader and I opened it and I just, I, I close, I finished it. I closed it. And then I just freaked out. I think I like screamed in my apartment and I was just like, Oh my God, my whole life is just out for everybody to read. Like my high school math teacher is reading about me talking about masturbation, you know? <laughs> um, so it was like terrifying. Um, and that honestly took, that was what took a lot of me recentering myself, me really self-soothing parenting my own self like it took a lot of actually healing work just to not be afraid to be seen in that way because and I don't want to ramble but I do want to say one thing because I think when we grow up in a traumatic situation and there's any type of abuse we, just being visible and seen as a kid can be dangerous mm. and so we are raised to believe that being seen is dangerous so as adults pub like publishing a book like this is terrifying like in my mind my child my little girl self is like you're you get killed this is real dangerous so it just took a lot of work to work through that once it was published uh do you do you have any sort of relationship with your parents now um i do not i i do not i receive i will receive um i've received some like threatening emails and like angry like letters but i don't have a relationship um yeah but you don't uh, i you know as far as i know you're not mentioning them by name or anything in here uh no no okay no. so uh you know and even like uh i assume at least the guys you talk about that you had dated in it i assume mm. they're renamed for the book you know yes it, everybody's okay. names has changed okay i figured i figured as much yeah. i was like I was like, that would be like a really big, you know, conversation to have with somebody. So I'm writing this trauma book and you're going to be named in it. Um, but, you know, I, I think, but that's, that's sort of the problem with serial abusers, isn't it? Is that you being the victim, you're not, you're, you're in the wrong here, aren't you? I, I can't believe you, you're saying all these terrible things about me. You know, like, what did I ever do to you kind of a thing? And, you know, and, you know, way better than I do. I, and you're, you're saying all that and my heart breaks for you, but I'm also just like rolling my eyes going, I, I, I believe it, you know, that yeah. this is, you're not, you're not only allowed to speak your truth these days, but I think, I think luckily, I think since, especially not to give him credit, but sort of since Trump, it's almost like we're encouraged to speak our truths more you know like you know yeah. it's just if he's allowed to go up there and lie why can't mm -hmm. we go up there and tell the truth 
you know? Mm. I just thought of that. That was really mm. clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, you coming forward and speaking your truth, you know, you know, you, first of all, it's very brave, but it's also very vulnerable. Like you're putting yourself mm. out there in a really, really, like the most vulnerable of ways. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Very true. And I think one thing that I would love to talk about, because I just, I believe that so many people who've experienced trauma believe this or experience this is um, not only was publishing the book kind of bringing up all those fears of being seen, but it also brings up um, the trauma response of not even believing yourself. Mm. Um, And I think, so, I mean, I started receiving these emails or these letters and I was like, my God, what if I am crazy? What if I made all of this up? What if I'm lying? What if I imagined all of this? Um, and I think the other thing that I oh, I do try to talk about a lot as well is that I had like nice motherly moments with my mother as well growing yeah. up. And so, and I think that I, I think that's really important to talk about because for so long, and especially in the healing fields, I think we're always like, black and white, wrong, right. Um, but that can be really confusing for survivors because I mean, I remember there was a time when I desperately needed help and I hadn't talked to my mom for like years and I called her, I was like, you are the one person who can help me right now, please. If there's one thing you can do for me, please help me. And she did and I was blown away by it. Um, but what I think is so important is that doesn't take away from all of the terrible things that happen too. Right. But, but for survivors, it can be really difficult. And then we'll feel guilty about talking about the bad things, or we'll start questioning whether the bad things were real because there were also sometimes nice times. So it's just both can exist at the same time. And I just want all survivors to know that. That that's, and that's such an interesting concept too, to, you know, there's, there's members of my extended family that, have had issues with their families and and some friends I know that they cut them out and you know and I grew up in a really like religious you know household mm-hmm. and everything and the the and, and the and it always goes back to yeah but that's your dad you know that's your mom you know yeah. and it just and I thought that kind of stuff for the longest time too mm-hmm. and then it was like wait a minute but like toxic is toxic right like if they're yeah saying and doing terrible things to me or rather to you know my my family my extended family then they have every right to cut that person out and and that doesn't make you a bad daughter you know it just means that you're 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 mature enough to realize this is wrong and i want nothing to do with this in my life you know Mm -hmm. or if you know when you decide to you know when you know do, do you have a boyfriend right now not currently. Not no. currently. Okay. When you when you get your next guy, because because you will, because because I will. Because look at cause look, look at her, folks. It's like Nicole He's Kidman coming. right here. If Nicole Kidman and Amy Adams had a baby, that's Katie Maloney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah. So and then I'll take it. <laughs> hey, you know, I I got I got the eyes, you know. <laughs> but uh, but seriously, uh, you know, so it's like you're. So the next guy, and then you know, you guys maybe have a family. You know, you you can have enough of that, you know, maturity in yourself to, unfortunately, have learned all the what not to do as a parent. Um, and and let me get into this with you because this is something you, you've talked about. You talk about in the book, 
and I've, and I've heard you talk about in other interviews, and it's just such an interesting phrase to me, uh, and really I've only learned about recently through you and a couple other people I know, uh, the, the idea of reparenting yourself or having to be your own parent. You know, like, what, what is that experience like? And is that, is that strange at all, kind of moving into that? I love that question. I truly, if there's, oh, I will, I'm going to say this. I'm going to stand by it. I believe that if there's one healing tool that you can start using, if you only choose one for the rest of your life, like, please use this one and learn to reparent yourself because it has been the most powerful that I've ever experienced. And so when I say that, I mean, um, well, I mean two things. One, there are ways that you can lay down and just in a way meditate. So you think about a time in your past where you were, it could be when you were in college, it could be when you were five years old, but a time where you deeply needed to feel loved and be protected by a parent, but you weren't. Um, because those we those experiences leave deep wounds within us. Um, but if you can, during this meditation, go back and give yourself that loving and nurturing that you needed in that moment, hold your past self, ask them questions, be like, what's going on? What? Yeah, I can tell you're so upset. Tell me what's happened. Listen to them. Ask them like, well, what do you need to feel safe right now? Where do you want to go? And then go there with them. If it's like a pool of gumdrops mm -hmm. and candy land, be like, yeah, let's go there. And you go there with them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way. But another way to repairing yourself, and this is, um, I do this all the time, is when I start to feel really overwhelmed or I start to have like all these, I'm sad or something happened and I'm scared. I'll just pause and be like, hey girl, come here baby girl and i'll just like hold myself i can hug myself i'll like lay on my couch and like hug myself be like hey tell me what's going on i i can tell you're really scared like let's talk about it let's figure it out um and just be that parent that you really need in that moment um and i'm not saying that you can't have friends do that with for you or a partner that's great too but i do want everyone to know that you have access to parent and loving energies within yourself any second of the day and you can access those anytime you want so um and it's gonna it's so powerfully healing when you do that that i find that incredibly interesting because it's i don't think it's anything i ever would have thought of it's also mm. it's also nothing i've learned when i've been to therapy you know so mm. hearing a, a new tool a new technique and you know and it's like you know and i've told my story a little bit here before it's like you know, my dad wasn't a bad guy just very emotionally distant you know not always like just you know the way the best way i describe it to people is like if we weren't father and son we wouldn't be friends we'd have mm -hmm. no reason to talk um yes. and even then when i try and talk it's like most of the time it's just you know how's it going all right how you doing all right okay mm -hmm. you know so um so it's like on paper good dad provided you know, for the family, you know, we never, you know, you know, we never worried about like bills or, you know, uh, if we were in eat that week or anything like that. Um, but it was just that emotional connection that I didn't have for a long time. Right. And, and then right. growing up and, and realizing that maybe I did that without knowing what the term was, you know, you describing it, I feel like I've done that for myself a few times, mm. you know, had to like, you know, not hear, not that he ever said anything like this, but not hear like a, 
uh, man up or whatever kind of thing. Because, you know, an emotionally distant guy, like, if I got upset about something or if I was depressed, I would just try and, like, kick myself out of it and go, just stop it. You're a guy. Don't do not do that. You know, if that makes any sense. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yes. And I think one of the things that you said was just talking about when you realized that you were making, like, $10 more than your rent, right, for the yeah. month yeah. Um, in that moment in your life. And I've been there, too, and I think that this is especially important for people who t- just don't have that family support when they are now are adults in the real world, because it seems like, I think it's funny when I talk to people because, you know, adulting, everybody says the word adulting. Yes. And it can be challenging to like go from living at home, being a kid, like to becoming adult, whatever, but it is, it can be a traumatizing experience when you have no, support whatsoever and you like either graduate high school or you don't graduate high school you leave high school or you graduate college whatever and now all of a sudden there is no one helping you and you're like all right let's figure this out and you're not making enough money no one cares you know it's it's actually like a very terrifying experience um and i'm grateful for my experiences in that moment because it's taught me to navigate things and really appreciate what i have now but in the moment it sucks and you need to be able to parent yourself through it yeah. because it is uh it's hard you know having that that moment you know when you have to look at yourself and go okay there has to be like a pragmatic side that goes okay how do we solve this how do we figure this out mm-hmm. but you also need to kind of have the emotional side of it you know where it's hard to have when you don't have that support you don't have somebody looking at you and going yeah this fucking sucks but like we're gonna figure this out you know, and, and not having that side of it is really, really tough. You know, it is. Really tough. Yeah. And if you only figure it out and you don't give yourself that emotional support, you're just doing the exact same thing that your parents did to you as a kid. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So you need to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in and outside of uh, parenting, you know, it's, you know, was it strange for you, like, you know, seeing when you were growing up, at least, you know, I'm just, so you knew that there was something what's going on at home isn't normal because mm-hmm. you're because t- I'm sure you're talking you're you have like friends that aren't going through this. Was there like kind of a secret or what? How did you process that when you're talking to other people that are not going through what you're going through? Yeah. Um, so I. And I don't talk about her, but I do have a sister. Um, And so part of that, I think it almost normalized what what I was experiencing because it was like, oh, here's this other person. Like, Mm. she's experiencing it too. Um, But at the the same time, um, I know that I blocked so much of it out. Um, So like memories, I had like fragmented memories. The real thing that I felt as a kid and I knew something was wrong was just dread all the time. Like Mm. I just felt constant dread and like fear and just like sick to my stomach. I was always sick. Um, And so, and I remember really what I recognized as being weird was actually seeing my friends have conversations with their dads. I remember being like, that's weird. I didn't know you like talked to your dad Um, (laughs) because I, I can remember like, you know, besides abuse, I can remember like maybe three conversations. And when I say conversations, I mean, there were like 
three sentences that were said between us. Sure, so yeah. it was just like, so that was, those were the things I noticed were very surface level things. Um, yeah. So, and it wasn't until I got, I was away from the abuse that I was actually able to start remembering things because I got out of that survival mode and into like, Oh, normal life where I can start healing. So that's when all the memories started coming up. I see. Um, when you're, so when you were a kid, were you ever, uh, did you ever see a therapist or guidance counselor or anything like that? Or did that all come later? Yeah, I remember, um, so it kind of, I mean, all of this gets complicated. (laughs) I I think, you know, when people, when you have, um, parents who are abusers, there's an entire lifestyle that they create in order to be able to continue to do what they do. So, um, as I got older, I started having like anger issues, which is so funny because I'm like the, no one would think that now. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't, and I didn't, it wasn't like at school, it was just at home. I was real, I would have anger issues. Obviously it wasn't issues. It was me being angry and trying to defend myself. Right. But um, I remember Lisa, I call her Lisa, but my mom like said that I had anger issues and sent me to therapy. Um, and nothing i mean there were like three years where i went to this therapist um and nothing i i mean i i specifically remember that she told me that the reason that i had these problems was because i um she said that i was a lesbian <laughs> um oh. so that was good. yeah and i was like i don't think that's it i don't think it is you know and there's nothing wrong with, i mean at all i i am not but I remember just being like, I just, I don't think that, I mean, maybe, but I don't think it is. Um, so that was like three years, but it was, and then I met a, uh, another therapist who came and visited my high school and I decided that I wanted to go see her. So I went to one session with her when I was 18 and the, the very first session was when I broke down crying and told her. So I think it, it really is a lot of people don't like therapy or a lot of people love therapy. I think it's phenomenal when you find the right person for you. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, and again, we talk about this a lot on the show with, when it comes to therapy and, and finding the right therapist, it, it is, it, it is a relationship that you're forming with somebody. Uh, you know, it's, it's a trust thing. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's also, you have to have the right type of, you have to have the right type of therapist. Right. So for a long time, I had a guy that I just, I would talk to and he'd, he'd chime in every now and then, but really he was just, he was just letting me just talk and talk and talk and talk. And, you know, if anyone listens to my podcast, they know I like to talk. Um, but, uh, but I also, the, when I have, uh, the therapist I have now, it was, it was more like he would talk at me. He would talk with me. He would talk to me. And I never realized, and no offense to the other guy who I loved and was great for years was that this this guy's doing something different for me that is helping me more and yeah. you know and have especially like talking to like my best friend um and i'm just like yeah dude i was like going through this or whatever and I, was, I was like yeah i mean like that that or whatever i forget what, exactly what i said but he was like dude you've calmed down a lot <laughs> so that was that was nice to like oh so it's working um so what you know does does that work for you to have some you know i mean i'm sure you agree with me that you have to have, it's it's a trust thing it's a you know um but you know i'm sure you're seeing your whatever therapist you've seen in the past you notice a difference in everybody's style 
and maybe yeah. what works for someone else wouldn't work for you, but what works for you isn't going to work for them. Yeah, totally. I think also what I've needed from therapists has changed over every time I've gone. So yeah. like when I was in high school, I needed someone different. Then when I got a little older, I started doing EMDR therapy and I had like huge strides with that. And then I took a break and just recently I started again and now it's been great. I think the underlying need that I have for each therapist is I need them to be able to call me out of my shit. Mm, yep. <laughs> Sometimes like that has been the one thing that I, rec- I really need from everybody. Um, but besides that, it's really changed with each phase in my life. That that's also important uh, to recognize, and and kudos to you for recognizing that because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. wouldn't have, and I didn't. And then when I changed, it was like, oh, you know, I'm a different person now than I was three years ago. So this is different, um, yeah. and it's such a, and you don't you don't realize it because obviously you're with yourself all day, but you know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't realize it until somebody else can, you know, push you in that right direction, you know. Yes. And I think I, I've talked to so many people who are really hesitant to go to even try therapy because they're like, I don't even know if I'm going to like this person. And I just, ha- I'm going to have to reshare my story, like to five different people before I find the right therapist. Yeah. And what I really want to just emphasize is that it does not have to be the case at all. You can schedule a consultation, like even a 15 minute call with five different therapists and just talk to them about, you don't have to share any part of your story, but just talk to them and see if it's like almost like going on a, a date, you know, you just yeah. see if you're compatible with this person. Yeah. And then if you are, then you can have a second appointment. If you like that, move to a third, but you're not like committing to one person and have to lay everything out on the table right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I just really want people to remember that because I think if they did, I feel people would be a lot less hesitant to start doing therapy. It, there's, you know, it, and there's a lot of issues like, you know, there, there's that, like you just said, there's cost, you know, there's, um, totally, totally. And for the longest time, like I was scared to go to therapy and it sounds so silly to say, but like say it out loud, at least uh, I was like, I was like, I just don't want them to think I'm crazy, you know, mm-hmm. like, totally. And, and, and then I had to remind myself, I'm like, okay, like I have a fairly normal life. So <laughs> I think if I go in there and say, like, I get depressed, they're not going to be like, that guy, this guy's something wrong with him. You know, <laughs> like they're going to be like, they're going to be like, let's, let's talk about it. You know, the first time that I went back to therapy as an adult, the very first session, I started crying and I was like, I just, what if I, what if you decide that I just made all of this up and I'm crazy? And she was like, girl, (laughs) people can't, she was like, people cannot make up what you just told me. And, and you know what? She actually said something really profound. She's like, people don't need memories. They don't need to have any any like detailed descriptions of the abuse that they experienced, but you know, you know, with every part of your body when you've experienced abuse and she's like, any you have experienced abuse. Yeah. So, and totally, I mean, it's, it's very true. You can feel it in your body. You can feel it in your gut. It just, you know, you know, what, what's interesting about that is, uh, so in part of the book, you talked about like being in the shower and, and even then, and not even in a, in a, in a sensual way or masturbation, just to clean, yeah. clean yourself, you, you couldn't yeah. even touch yourself. I, yes. uh, that like floored me. I was like, wow. Um, like even that, you know, can stop you. Like I mm-hmm. it would never have occurred to me like being touched by someone else. Well, sure. That makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, just having that, like 
just the just yourself you know mm -hmm. like how do you how did you how are you processing through that is it just like yeah. you just have you just have to push through it or is that where yeah, the, the, no that's oh, go for great it. I, that's, oh that, no that's such a great question i um so i am so happy to say that i can touch myself like non-sexually sexually like any way that i need to now and feel very comfortable mm -hmm. um but it did take me some some healing work in order to be able to do that um because for a while like there were moments where i would feel very triggered and like like you just mentioned in my book i even just showering the this just the sensation of a hand touching my skin would be really triggering um and i knew it was my hand and i remember being like this is my hand it's okay um but i just couldn't do it um and so one of the ways that i really worked through that was to just very like gradually be like hey so this is and not when i'm triggered when uh, during a time when i'm not triggered at all just sit on my sofa and be like hey this is my hand and i'm touching my arm and i'm just gonna touch my arm right now and I, you can do that for 10 seconds and at first it was like the feeling of like my hand stroking my arm like it was creepy it was like too much for me mm -hmm. um but i would just gradually build up and then like you know, it doesn't even have to be a formal thing, but when you think about it, maybe a week later, be like, okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to try to do 12 seconds. Um, hmm. And same thing, like, then I started, I worked up to, like, dancing and being like, okay, I'm going to, like, touch my arms while I dance and just feel good and sexy. And so it was just a gradual process to be able to do that. Hmm. Yeah, that's, and I find that so, again, th th this is all very, very interesting to me. And I'm, I feel like I'm learning a lot from you. Um, and it's, and it's the kind of thing that I think, you know, people need to be more educated on because, you know, I, I'm sure there's been people in your life that have been like, like, that stopped you? Really? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and you just, and then of course you feel like, like you said, you go to your therapist, you break down. I don't want you to think I'm crazy. I don't want you to think I'm making all this up because it, you know, maybe because you know, there will be people that are going to think that about you, but it's just like, and it's you know, I go back to thinking about like, you know, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and, and things like that. Like, it's like, look, like, you know, it's not just that, you know, like believe women. It's like, we need to listen. We need to like understand these stories because as much as we want to sit there and go, well, I mean, how much of that really happened? It's like that, that's not the appropriate response. The appropriate really? response really needs to be to listen. And, you know, and I think it helps, like I said, with your book that it's very, you know, I went through this, I did this, you know, I couldn't touch myself. And then you're, so then I'm reading it feeling like, okay, I don't feel like someone's going, you're going to, you're not going to feel this way, you know, or you're, you're feeling this way. Uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, the I statements and really feeling more comfortable saying in that sense, rather than trying to figure out what the reader might be thinking. Yes. Yes. And I, um, oh man, why did I just blink on, oh my gosh, I completely blinked on what I was going to say. <laughs> I really liked what you were saying there. Um, oh yes. One of the things that I really like to emphasize, and I have to emphasize it to myself too, is anytime I have that thought where like, oh my gosh, what if I'm crazy? Or if I have somebody who messages me and tells me that I'm like wrong or a liar or a terrible person, I know that for every person who doubts me or even every time I doubt myself, there are hundreds of people in this world who have experienced something exactly like I've experienced. And they 
need someone to say, hey, I experienced this so that they know that they're not alone in their experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I mean, that's why I published my book was because there were so many things that I thought were so weird and gross and insane that I experienced or was working through because of the trauma that I was like, I feel so alone in these experiences because no one has ever talked about them before because they're technically like taboo, but I know that there's so many people out there who are also dealing with this and struggling with it. And like just hearing that they're not the only people who experience this is going to be huge. So just please everybody remember that they, you are not alone in your experience. That That's something that, that I struggled with a lot too. Like um, mm. the, the idea of not being alone or whatever. Um, it's, you know, and that's something that that everybody does need to hear, because I think instinctually, and I'm sure you had this too, where it's like you don't know my story, you don't know what I've been mm -hmm. through, you know. And now we all literally do know your story because you have it out there yeah. for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, having those people be like, like, oh, was it that bad though? You know, because I've had that where it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, but was mm -hmm. it that bad? And um, so I, I listened to a podcast with uh, Zachary Levi. He he was Chuck uh, in, and he was also in Shazam. Um, he, he talked about like his experience growing up, he grew up in an abusive household and, uh, and I guess like, oh no, it wasn't okay. He was being interviewed by somebody. Anyway, what it came down to was, uh, they were, the, they were talking to Henry Winkler about their experience and, mm. and like, yeah, but like, you know, I mean, I, but you know, my parents would always try to remind me, Hey, you got a roof over your head. You got this going on. You got this and this. And mm. you know, so your life isn't that bad, is it? And Henry Winkler was like, that's bullshit. That's that's not okay to minimize what you went through because other people are going through something worse. Yes. Oh, uh, thanks, Henry. Um, <laughs> the Fonz is I the best. Oh, he, he really is. I truly believe that. And I, I think that anytime somebody says something, anytime somebody tries to trauma compare, I think it says way more about what they're going through than it's than about what you're going through because anybody who feels the need to say mine is worse is really honestly that's usually just like a deep cry for help whether they realize it or not they're like i have so many so much shit that's unhealed right now hmm. that it's like pouring out of me that i have to tell everyone that my life is way worse than theirs so yeah it, don't listen don't listen <laughs> it it's it's one thing to share your stories with people and to realize totally. that you're not alone is quite another to have somebody be like, yeah, but it wasn't that bad compared to this or compared to that. Yeah. That I don't care for. And, and cause that is another thing that stopped me for a long time from dealing with any issues I had was feeling like, okay, but like, but people are going through worse stuff. You know, I remember like when my, mm. my, my sister was pregnant, it's just something as simple as like, I was like crushing really hard on this girl and, you know, she wasn't really reciprocating or I was getting mixed signals and I didn't know what, uh, and, and I was like, and I just kind of broke down talking to her one day. I was like, I was like, I don't want to tell you all this stuff. And she was like, why? I was like, cause you're pregnant. You have, you have actual shit you're going through. And mm -hmm. like, I, you know, and here's my stupid problems that are like, you know, eighth grade levels, nothing. And she was like, dude, I'm here. I'm going to listen. Yes. It's fine. And that, yes. and that like broke everything down from here. I was like, oh yeah. Like it's, we're gonna, we, we have our different situations and it's okay to listen to somebody else and, yes. and not have to compare, not have to, you know, one up somebody 
which I think a lot of people do too. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've had that as well in your life. Oh yeah, definitely. And I also, I mean, there's so many different reasons, so I don't want to say that there's just one reason, but I, I do feel like a lot of us have the tendency to say like, no, oh my God, but these people are probably experiencing something so much worse. So I cannot bring my needs to them or I cannot ask for any type of emotional support. And I feel like a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us got that from our shitty upbringings. Because when you are, ex I know for, for, from my personal experience, um, my parents, they were pros at gaslighting. Oh, so yeah. if at any point I said, hey, what you just did what you did just hurt me it was almost it was always like oh well what did you just do to hurt me this is i'm dealing with this i'm dealing with this and you bringing me this like now you're hurting me you're ruining my whole day mm. or whatever it was so i think we hold that for our entire lives so now we have people who love us and want to support us and we're like no we can't bring this to them because they're dealing with something and we're going to ruin everything for them or whatever yeah oh my god yes <laughs> you just you mm -hmm. nailed it <laughs> oh. um it's so, you know, as you're getting older and, you know, you're so you're starting to date that that's obviously difficult, too, because now it's like you have to be you're not have to be, but you're starting to get intimate with someone is what how was that trying to open up that way? Because it's one thing when it's yourself, because if you're, you know, talking to yourself and soothing yourself, you know, that's one thing. Nobody's there for that. But when there's somebody else there. And you're like, yeah. and not that it's expected, but kind of, it's like, uh, you know, just like a kiss after the first date or, mm. you know, we've been going out for a while. It's, you know, you want to come back to my place kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you process, how are you processing that? Well, so that was when I started it. I had gone on dates, but I was never comfortable with actually being in a relationship or really going beyond a first date until I was 21. <laughs> um, and that was when I started i met my first partner and we dated for about five years um and that was it was like a couple months into that relationship and that was actually when i was like oh girl i'm i gotta write a book because <laughs> um and that was when i i remember the day i sat down to start writing the book um because i was dealing with so many it was just like as soon as i entered into this relationship just like a floodgate of shit and triggers and fears um, opened up and I realized that I really needed to figure out how to heal some of these things. Um, and again, there were not really a lot of books talking about things like even as simple as, Hey, I really like this guy. I want to feel comfortable holding his hand. Yeah. Like there weren't any books that were like, let's talk to you about this in a really friendly manner. Yeah. Um, so man, that, <laughs> I'm trying, I just, I'm trying to think of the journey to being able to feeling comfortable with this person. Um, and it was, it was a journey. I mean, there were so many different steps, but I think one of them that I determined at the early on that was going to be really important to me was to be very open with him yep. about everything that I experienced. Um, and again, that my needs have changed now for relationships. But at that time I was like, before we do anything, I have to tell him this. Um, so that I feel safe and comfortable and like held. Um, and as things came up, if I felt triggered or insecure about whatever fears come up, like I was like, Hey, this is happening right now. Like, I just got to tell you, we don't have, I don't, I'm not trying to solve it with you right now, but I just need you to know so that I feel 
connected to you. Um, so that really communication was the biggest thing. And honestly, that's the most vulnerable thing that we can do. I think as survivors too, is like actually talk about the show that's coming up, but it's so necessary in relationships. Yeah. It, it I mean, any relationship is going to thrive on communication. Uh, I mean, they live or die by it basically. And I, I see that a lot, you know, the friend of mine I was talking to recently, you know, they, they're, you know, they broke up because there, there wasn't a lot of communication and, mm. and it's, it's tough when, if you're the other person that's hearing the story, there is that like, what, you know, what can I do or say that is going to make everything okay? Not mm. realizing that there may not be anything you can do, but just be there, you know, like, like I'm like sitting back right now, just going, okay, like, you, you do what you need to do, which is the thing I've only learned recently. Mm. Um, like, and I'm a little embarrassed to say it that way, but it's like, like, yeah. uh, you know, the mother of my child, you know, she, you know, she had a fight with her mom and everything and, and they're talk and, you know, and then like the kid starts acting up because the terrible twos are a real thing. And, uh, <laughs> she, and, and she kind of goes and she just like walks into the kitchen. I can tell she's like tensed up, pissed off. And I was just like, hey, you know, you're, you're doing a good job. You're a good mom. Like, you know, I'm here to yeah. help. I'm, I'm here to help with whatever you need. And she was like, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, was, and I tried to, like, hug her, and I could tell she was tensing up more. And I was just like, all right, I got to get out of here. Like, you know, fighting every instinct in my brain. Because, you know, before I'd be like, no, 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 I'm here. I'm here. Talk to me. Talk to me. And I have to be that person in the situation mm-hmm. that backs off. That's hard to do. And I'm sure you, as as someone that's communicating all this, that you know i guess i'm not asking for validation but sort of (laughs) where it's like you know that that's what you need sometimes isn't it like you just you need the other person to just leave and you and you need to take the time to calm yourself down because nobody else can do it better than you can yes absolutely and so that's again one of those um so i talk about this in my book but i also hold a workshop on how to share your story um and i talk about one of the things that I say is how when we, even before, like long before you you actually share your story with somebody, really take some time to just meditate and think about what you need from them in that moment while you're sharing your story. Um, because that's going to be huge for both you and for the person that you're sharing with. Mm-hmm. So example for, for example, you, JJ, like it would be so helpful if you just knew what she needed in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, that's, anyways, when it comes to sharing your story, I think that's super important. Um, and it's going to change each time. <laughs> and it's also, <laughs> yeah. and it's, yeah. Um, but one thing that I do want to, I just want to go back to that um, intimacy and learning to like feel comfortable with intimacy after someone. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that has been so huge for me to realize is that after the trauma, I was really protective of my body mm-hmm. and of like my my inner child of myself so much so that I forgot that I was an adult woman like a sexual adult woman um and so I would be like no I have to protect my vagina I have to protect my inner child I have to protect everything um and yes that's true but you you're already doing that if you're doing the healing work you're already doing that mm-hmm. now you have to also allow your adult woman self to receive pleasure, to feel good, to enjoy intimacy and sex, because 
you're safe and you can do that. Um, and I think I just, uh, the fear of being triggered, like I would always, I would be like, well, what if I do this and I get triggered? Or what if this happens and I feel this and I feel afraid? Yeah. Um, or like, what if my inner child feels used by this person? Because whatever, I don't, it's just like so many fears will come up. And I really needed to just allow myself to be like, hey, I'm actually good. I'm taking care of me. I am totally safe. This person is somebody that I really want to have sex with right now. And I feel safe with him and I feel good with him. So like, let's, now it's time for my adult woman self to have some fun and feel good. And that's totally safe. Um, and that's, that was honestly just shifting the mindset around intimacy has been really huge. That's, and that's, and that's, that's gigantic, you know, being, mm -hmm. you know, going from, you know, sexual trauma to where you're not in control to being in, in control. Um, right. And that I can't even imagine, you know, because there is, and there's so much of it out there that like, do you, is, is it hard for you to, you know, like to, to hear other, other women's stories or do you just immediately sympathize or do you, you know, what, cause you know, you, you're, so you being a life coach now, um, mm -hmm. be, you know, what, how do you approach it so that you're not trying to kind of like what we were saying before, you're not trying to one up their stories or anything or go, Oh honey, you didn't have it nearly as bad as I did kind of a thing. You're yeah. trying to just like, listen and like, let me let you in since you're letting me in kind of a story. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first of all, during all of the sessions, it's, I would say 90% of them talking to me and me like listening and then 10% being like, I, heard you say this and I just want to ask you kind of where you think that's coming from, you know, ah, um, okay. or like, let's do a guided meditation now and talk about this. Um, or like, Hey, there's this, a couple of healing tools that I think would be really good. Like let's work through those together right now. Um, and so I, I, probably the ratio is probably a little different than 90, 90, 10, but <laughs> there's definitely the majority. Of, I never share my story. I'm never like, well, listen to this. This is what happened to me. So, um, I never do that. And, I also, people are very surprised when I say this, but also the majority of my sessions, we don't go into detail about the abuse almost ever. And I think that that's actually a really important thing because for, for example, for ther in therapy, it's almost like an archeological dig into your past. So you like, you share that story, talk about it, you go back there and like kind of heal a lot of stuff. And that's super foundational and really important. Um, but what I do is now what happens after that, right? So like we've done some healing work, but you no longer like sh just resharing your story is actually no longer helpful. It's actually re-traumatizing now mm. because you're just sharing it over and over again. And so now I, I, all I need to hear is like, Hey, I experienced some trauma growing up. Um, and these are the things that I really want to work on because it's coming up in my relationship. I'm noticing that like I get really cold and distant whenever we have conflicts or or I'm having I'm struggling. Like I've been married for 25 years, but I want to talk to him about the abuse that I experienced. But I'm like really struggling with it. Let's work through that. Um, so it's really we don't even really dive into the actual abuse. We really talk more. We focus completely on how to move forward from it now. OK, that. That's interesting. And that, does, and I think that does help because, you know, you, like, like you said about re-traumatizing, um, I can't even, you know, imagine, you know, eh, you know, one thing having to hear so many stories, 
it just would immediately break your heart. Mm-hmm. But then having to share it so many times, um, and that's yeah. that's rough too because you're trying to, you are trying to move forward. You're not trying to live in the past, you know, which, you know, again, is in the book. Um, and that's something that I thought of that while reading it, I was really intrigued by. It's like, you're not living in the past. You're trying to move forward. And, yeah. and that's really hard when the past just has this like black hole on you. Right. Totally. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out that we just did it now during this whole podcast. We like, I told you the very first sentence that I said, I said it in one sentence, what I experienced, but like, we didn't talk about details of my abuse at all. Yeah. And we've had like a really incredible conversation. I feel like, you know, I, I agree. Um, and it's, by the way, it's also flown by, by the way. So we've been talking for about an hour and it's just like, oh, wow. yeah, it's just like, um, and this is, and this is the kind of stuff that, that I, I kind of had wanted to do it in the beginning with the podcast and, and every now and then, you know, like personal stuff comes up. Other times it's just like, hey, you know, isn't isn't exciting that, you know, blah, 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 you know, Robert Pattinson's Batman or whatever. Uh, and that's all well and good. But um, but I, this is the kind of stuff that I I live for, you know, and again, and it's like I didn't invite you on here because I wanted to hear details or anything. I, I invite you on because you had a really interesting story that I, you know, that I'd love to hear and I'd love to share. And, you know, and I, and I love the book, you know, you have, you know, like I said, there, there's that vulnerability that makes you that much braver, you know, to just, than just saying, you know, just like you and me talking like, oh yeah, well, I had kind of a traumatic childhood or whatever. It's like, no, you're, you're willing to share that with people and not only share it, but help them move on. And that's incredible. So. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So. Katie Maloney, real life Wonder Woman, right here. <laughs> yes, best. Ooh, I love it. That was the best description. Yeah. So again, if you want to wear the Wonder Woman costume when you're life coaching, I think you should. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Um, I'm doing it. So the book is is out. Um, so I got mine through Amazon. Uh, is it in mm-hmm. in the physical stores too, like Barnes and Nobles or? It's in a couple. It's not in Barnes and Noble. It is the big, the easiest place to get it is Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So Amazon, everybody knows Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. So Katie, for those uh, that are interested and want to, you know, either seek you out or you know, in, enlist mm-hmm. your services or just you know have a nice person to follow out there, uh, where can yeah. people follow you? So you can, well, one, you can check out my website, katiemaloneycoaching.com. And then also follow me on Instagram at katiemaloneycoaching. And please, if anybody's listening and they just, anything resonated with them or they want to reach out and like share any part of their own story um, or have any questions, totally reach out. I always love hearing from people um, and I would love to chat. Um, and I can, I can attest to that because to peel the per- curtain back, I almost said peel the curtain back. Anyway, peel the curtain back a little. Um, I had reached out to you, um, after an, an interview you had done and you talked about being comfortable with your void. And I was like, mm. I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that that, that was a thing because it took me a while to realize I've been doing that, you know, and such yep. a, such a, a strange concept, you know, and, um, so, you know, being comfortable with your void, reparenting yourself, things that like you shouldn't have to say to somebody or, you know, like you'd hope that nobody would have to go through. But if you do have to go through that, it's this healing tool that really can't be 
you know, it, it, it can't be um, duplicated, I don't think, you know, with any, yeah. if that makes any sense. It does. It does. And I love that. I think that's so cool that you realize that you've been doing these things all along. Um, I hope that I hope that any reader or listener is like, oh, hey, I've actually been doing some of these things, yeah. which that's so cool to hear. And, you know, and like I said, everybody, I highly encourage you to check out the book um, on Amazon. Really, uh, really helpful, especially from someone that is is there to help. You know, this isn't just written as like a cash grab or whatever. You know, this was written as to this was written to help. And you can tell. And I'm very excited for you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely get you back, you know, have a. Wonder Woman discussion at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. awesome. And we'll do a fifth reunion with Eric maybe one of these days, too. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you for being a real-life Wonder Woman, you know. Thank you. <laughs> All right, folks, we are signing off. <laughs>